Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini, and this is episode 227 of the Comedy Film Nerds podcast. We got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about big today. Big stuff. Big, we, big We're going to talk about uh, The Hundred Foot Journey, Lucy, Most Wanted Man, and we have uh, a very special guest. We'll be talking about his film, I Am Road Comic. Uh, Jordan Brady will be joining us in a few seconds. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of cool DVDs, yeah. the festival, and I saw Guardians of the Galaxy for the second time. We're going we're gonna to be <laughs> talking boy. about it. Yeah. Attaboy. Um, obviously, uh, you know, this is uh, Tuesday, um, August 12th, and Robin Williams died yesterday, um, which, you know, we're very sad about. So we're going to release in a couple weeks uh, just an all Robin Williams episode where Chris and I are just going to talk about our favorite Robin Williams films. We really wanted to do, um, devote a specific separate episode yeah, to to um, we did. Uh, to Robin Williams because he affected us in many different ways mm-hmm. from being a stand up to also being a um an amazing actor in both comedy and drama and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I like Bicentennial Man. <laughs> I really do. He was very earnest in, in that one. See? We will go into all that you guys um uh, which will come out in a couple weeks. Um, well, you've heard his uh, uh, velvety voice, ladies and gentlemen. Let's interview. Uh, uh, let's introdu- introduce interview. Whatever. Let's. We can introduce. We're only two hundred and fifty episodes. Yeah. Into what are we going to do I'm with our guests? I'm still fumbling exactly. through how this is going to happen. Now, I believe this is called a podcast. Yeah. Is that correct? Um, we'll be talking about films. Uh, really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that sounds exciting. Yeah. I like movies. Comedy and, and a very exciting guest because he is a comedian and a filmmaker. And he uh, he started off in doing stand up and he segued into filmmaking, but never really left stand up because his films are about comedy yeah. the last couple so uh let ladies and gentlemen uh, let, trying to let, let it, it go yeah, but it sucks me back in <laughs> it's like the mafia ladies and, ge- ladies and gentlemen jordan brady thank you thanks for having me guys You're welcome and thank you for you told us right before we for donating to earbuds I'm an earbuds investor. I yes. went to the Kickstarter. I can't wait for that film. <laughs> yes, we're excited about. You it. know, I was telling you, when you see the fans and, and the, the the podcasters, and you hear the fans in your trailer talk about the connection that they make, mm-hmm. and then even the title says it all because it is right in your brain. The yeah, podcast right. is right mm-hmm. here. I don't know anyone that puts it on over the stereo. Right, exactly. Right, right. Right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You go for a jog, you're doing a lot, uh, yard work, or mm-hmm. yeah. you get on the treadmill, mm-hmm. and there's it's this in your ears, getting right in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love it. Con- uh, congratulations. Thank Thanks. You. Well, thanks for uh, supporting it. I yeah. hope there's merch. Yes, oh there yes. Will be. That's, in fact, it's well, getting. It's, it's all getting, we do. <laughs> oh, that's an announcement we will be making. Uh, the merch is actually getting delivered today. We're going to have special um, earbuds T-shirts. We're going to be talking oh, about in the snap. next um, week or two, specifically for the film. Yeah, and we're going to have special, the Kickstarter people are going to have us. You guys are going to get extra special t-shirts. We're going to have a certain design that is only going to be going to the Kickstarter backers. That's right. the only way you get that. This will be a, uh, a new design. But uh, you Kickstarter guys, because you uh, donated early, we want to reward that with a very special separate design. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I want. What's that? I want the earbuds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with the branded earbuds, yeah, earbuds. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> we should make those. We should. I yeah. guess. I know a guy in China. Yeah. <laughs> who for probably about 17 cents right. can get you a hundred of them. Yeah. No, a thousand. Yeah. Like 10 million of them for 17 yeah. cents. Um, just they won't conduct electricity. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, because you brought it up, and I know you're doing a. I, I applaud you for doing a special episode, but. Like I, my son and I go to movies all the time, mm-hmm. and we are comedy film nerds. And I showed him a clip of Popeye on YouTube, 
that blew his mind. And yeah. at the time, it wasn't received as a good no, movie. Uh-uh. And it was John Huston made that movie, didn't he? Yeah. But when he saw him, he's like, he looks just like Papa. He's sad. He's doing the... Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, yeah. Even Shelley uh, Duvall. Mm-hmm. It looks like olive oil. Like they... Ri- I bet you that movie will stand the test of time as a yeah. as a uh, as a, a living cartoon too. It's it's, yeah. it's it's one of those movies that you know if it were to come out today in this you know on demand niche world where you can see it might be one of those movies that maybe wouldn't do well in the box office like it did back in the eighties, but an audience would find it and watch it religiously you know what i mean well, like, it's a musical so yeah. they you know, the first maybe, question would be who's popeye right you know because yeah. those cartoons have been off the air for many many years sure. um, still responsible for many a youngster eating spinach yeah yes and <laughs> and fried chicken yeah, and getting into fights <laughs> yeah <laughs> with an octopus yeah <laughs> but I, I spoiler think alert it, i think you get, yeah. <laughs> oh chris how dare you how dare you he he brought respect to comedians I think mm-hmm. more than anyone that I can remember, he trans. You know, Richard Pryor did movies, and you was like, oh, but he was to me, he was always Richard Pryor playing that guy. Sure. Whereas Robin Williams became that character. Well, he was an actor. Yeah. He wasn't. It was one of the first times where um, you had a stand-up comic, a club act, who also was a trained actor. Sure. And not just because, again, like you say, a lot of comics transition into movies, but they're just doing their their club act, a version of it. You know what I mean? They're doing a voice in an animated show or an whatever. animated movie or they're whatever. They're just playing but, that same kind of guy right. all all over the place. And Robin movies. Williams could mm-hmm. do everything. He did everything from doing, you know, the mm-hmm. genie and we Aladdin went to, to yeah, right, and to you know from Mork and Mindy, but also everything. When you also look at like the later stuff he was doing. Uh, well, we'll get more into it in the regular sure. episode, but uh, I, I think even like the stuff he was doing with Bobcat, mm-hmm. uh, Goldthwait, I mean, World's Greatest, Greatest Dad. Dad is an, a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's favorite a phenomenal movie. movie. So anyway, we'll get more into that in a uh, in a separate episode because we want to really uh, dig deep. Mm-hmm. So what do we want to start with? You want to start with a 100-foot journey? Let the guests go first? Let's do that. Let's let yeah. our guests go first. What did you think of 100-foot journey? And also, this is a movie that's not getting a wide release, so tell our fans, too, what it's about. The Hundred Foot Journey stars Helen Mirren, who, by the way, is hot in a bathing suit, if you Google that. Have you ever seen that picture? <laughs> no. Oh, man, sexy. And some other actors that I wish I could name, a fabulous uh, Indian actor who carries the movie. Helen is only in it sporadically, but mm-hmm. you'll see her. it's mainly f- about the Indian family that's opening the restaurant The restaurant next street, to her. Right? They're, yeah. they're, they move from uh, India for a better life. They have a restaurant. It catches on fire. And uh, they move, and their car breaks down in this French. They're going through France looking for a place to live. And they decide through, I guess, divine intervention, that's where they're going to have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It happens to be 100 feet across the street in the middle of nowhere from a fabulous Michelin star restaurant right, like of French cuisine. A, a fancy foodie place that people fly all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Uh, I really liked it because it's a little long, mm-hmm. a little long. But I liked it because it had uh, the it had this love story. It had the conflict of the classes, mm-hmm. and a lot of surprise little. Well, yeah, don't you, spoil it. You know what's you know what's going to happen, <laughs> but and you love knowing right. that it does fulfill your wish. 
Well, the 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 director is um, is uh, Lassie Hallstrom, um, who did Chocolat, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, The Cider House Rules. Um, I love his movies. The way he directs a movie, it's it's amazing. Like he just sucks you in with the uh, with the performances. Yeah, and I think it's it's um, you know, like What's Eating Gilbert Grape and the cider house rules are like, I, I, those movies are, are just amazing. Like, What's eating Gilbert grape is one of those movies where you go, how, how didn't this just do more? Like, why right. isn't this like in the top yeah. 50? I don't know. I thought it was just an amazing it's, it's film. It's still one of Leonardo DiCaprio's best. It's amazing. It introduced, it introduced the world to Leonardo yeah. and we all thought he was a special needs actor. Right. Exactly. I mean, really, I was like, wow, how did they get that guy? Mm-hmm. And then Cider House Rules introduced us to Charlene Theron's ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's that shot where it's on the, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, oh my goodness. Well, also though, in, in Gilbert, uh, what's in Gilbert Grape, it was like Johnny Depp was like, Wow this very sort of subtle performance and how he carried that off of this guy that's sort of in this tough position in terms of his family. He's got to take care of his mom and the, you know, everyone's sort of embarrassed about the mom mm-hmm. and, and, and it's a small town and, and you know, what his life is like and how he's kind of fighting to get out of it, but can't because he's got his mom and his special needs brother. And, and it was just this amazing subtle performance, you know? And, and, and so I, it's great that that that. Well, let me ask you this then, since you liked you know those other movies the director has done, how much of like how much of the director's hand or whatever did you did you? And I'm, and I'm it's not, a it, it is a directed film, right? Like it, the the montages are deliberate. The you know the camera moves are mm-hmm. it has a director's stamp on it that right. is his. So, but that doesn't and, and get I in like the way. that. Right. It feels like a it feels like a uh sort of a not a Hollywood in the blockbuster sense of mm-hmm. a movie, but it feels like like the reaction, you know, the cut to the reaction when the kids wide-eyed. Right. To me that's heavy-handed, but I love it because it gets a laugh and you you you're immersed in it. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I and I and I I know what you're talking about because <clears throat> sometimes it's like, "Oh, I don't want to see the director's hand," but sometimes you're like, "No, I I want to." Yeah. I want it's like you know it's a beautiful film right. shot beautifully, and and it's funny because I asked my wife afterwards. Uh, we saw it at the Directors Guild of America, one of the best theaters mm-hmm. in the country, and it's just the visuals are stunning. And at the end, I thought, I wonder if that. I mean, I know they really had the restaurants and the buildings, mm-hmm. but some of the wide shots, I thought maybe that was a CG, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, rest French restaurant yeah. because it was always bathed in golden light. Yeah. And look, but it's so real, you know. Uh-huh. His movies are always like visually also amazing, but in like this weird, like almost subtle way. Like mm-hmm. it's not like you know these big giant, you know, um, like created landscapes. These are real landscapes. Like Shipping News is a great example uh-huh. of that. When you watch Shipping News, you really you just you fall in love with the scenery at the same time. It's just the because of the way he shoots his movies. Um, well, this is this gives you a taste of France. Right. Well, let me it, let me ask you this question. Helen Mirren's character at the beginning of the movie, is she a little uptight? Wow, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end, yeah. <laughs> She you loosens know, up a little. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Did you yeah. see the did you see the movie Chef? Oh no. The, uh Iron Man Helmer uh John Favreau's John Favreau. directed yeah. Chef. We have a review on the site. Jackie Cation saw it. She really liked it. 
I, I read that review by mm-hmm. Jackie. It was good. Here's here's the thing. There's montages in in Chef. I'm not going to spoil anything, mm-hmm. but the, 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 a lot of the press that John Favreau did, he was applauded for his authenticity in the kitchen and what it was like. Well, in the Hundred Foot Journey, they have cooking montages. You know, close ups of knives chopping onions and all that stuff. And as the layman, it's the same. Right. Like, I, like, I didn't think that they faked it. You know, I mean, look, hey, they're chopping onions. Hey, right. they made soup in one movie, they made sandwiches in the other. Like, I did, I walked away going, you know, it wasn't really that much difference between yeah. the two. Are you really going to roll your eyes and, like, that's not how they prepare food in a truck? Sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, you call that chutney? Yeah. <laughs> Fun trivia fact for uh, comedy film nerds. Have you heard of comedian Wayne Fetterman? Yes. Of course. Who's in, who's in I Am Road Gun? Yes. Mm-hmm. His brother edited What's Eating Gilbert Grape. What? Really? Yeah. I did not know Andrew that. Andrew Monchine. I hope I'm saying that right. And I got to visit in New York the system. And tell me, just go give me a high sign. You want me to shut up? <laughs> it was one of the first non-linear edited movies. But not on a computer. Because it was, what, in the... 99 was no, Gilbert Grape? Yeah. They had a rack of VHS machines, each with duplicate reels of film, you know, from the movie. Yeah, right. Like, all the dailies were doubled or tripled. Mm-hmm. And the computer controlled the VHS machines. And they assembled the, the print, the work prints that way. Wow. Wow. So it would spit out numbers for the negative cutter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Well, I don't know how they transposed the the numbers from mm-hmm. one machine to the next. Right. But uh, it was almost like steampunk. Right. You know? <laughs> that something was controlling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> things whizzing around. There's a and, lot of rivets and yeah, levers. Yeah. There were. <laughs> and just that. And, and, and the editor wore Did he wear goggles? goggles. Yeah. <laughs> of course he wore goggles. <laughs> and he Do edited. not just stop me. I don't know why <laughs> he's German <laughs> now, of course. Well, he edited on an airship. Sure, of <laughs> course. Of course. A dirigible uh, edit bay, of course, as we all have done. Um, well, that's cool. Uh, all right. Oh, I want to see that. I'm glad that, that you see, because it was one of those movies I went. This looks like everything that an art house, like it's just like art house indie movie, right? But for all the right reasons. But it tugs at the heart, yeah. Of the, oh, the right way. I'm all for it. And the 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 actor who plays the dad, they they call it um, Maison Monbet. Mm-hmm. Is the name of the restaurant they. Oh, that's create. great. And you know you're pulling for him. He's such a cute old dude. Right. I liked it. <laughs> cool. Right on. Um. Okay. Let's go to a different side of the spectrum okay, here with Lucy. All right, let's talk about Lucy. Um, I, uh, God, I know you were excited to of see it too. Of course, this is, this is like so. <laughs> this, this, the fans have made fun of me for this. Like, oh, that looks like one of the movies Graham's going to get fired up for and then be yeah. disappointed. Like, I think I've seen that on Twitter from Vanessa. Quite honestly, um, all right, it's Luke Besson, okay, which is just sometimes you just want to go. You know what, what? What's going on, dude? Like what? 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 What happened? You know what I mean? Like where? Where did this? Where did this? What? What? what where? Where'd you go? Um, it is a movie that is trying. How do I put this? It's a. It's a ridiculous film that's trying to make you think. But it, it would be like, like 
you're you're at an amusement park riding some ridiculous ride and in the middle of it they stop and put up a like hey here's something you should really think about you know what i mean like don't do drugs don't, yeah. exactly it's, it's <laughs> right just at the like, apex right yeah, just as you're thinking about, like human trafficking i mm-hmm. occupy you know like <laughs> and so there the idea of which i'm is an idea that i'm intrigued by we only use whatever, 12, 13% mm-hmm. of our brain's capacity. What if we got to use more? What would right. that mean? That whole premise is a myth. Right. Yeah, which is, uh, which is, it makes the movie even more fun. How is that a myth? It's not, but we use much more than that of our brains. It's I'm not. using 17% of my yeah. brain right now. Because otherwise, uh, one of the interesting articles I read was like, well, then people with brain damage, they wouldn't get brain damage because <laughs> they're only using a small percentage of brain. People would be able to survive uh, a lot yeah, better. What are the odds? Yeah, they we're, hit the part we're, that we're using, using most of our brains. That's a myth that we oh, only use really? a small amount. Yeah. Well, we're not using it the, the right way. Well, that's true. <laughs> we can't argue with that. Well, There's think, still a lot of dumb people walking yeah, around. <laughs> I, I honestly believe that like, if we, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. if we could tap into more of our brain's potential, yes. maybe it's not a percentage number, what could we do? You know what I mean? Like we could stop being so dumb. We could stop being yeah. so dumb. Could we? Because I mean, if you think about just in in terms of of just like I've personally dealt with with injuries or ailments or whatever, and and how I'm thinking about it does affect that. You know, and and and, and what could you possibly do? Like so, that idea to me is very very intriguing. Mm-hmm. I like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she's oh, great. She's yeah, good. Yeah, uh, and Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, classic. Classic. It's likes to phone in roles now. Like, go ahead, it's okay. <laughs> you know, and she did a good job of 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 the beginning of the movie. She's just sort of this ditzy party girl that gets trapped, wrapped up in this thing, and then when she becomes this sort of like robot, that was uh, that was a cool thing to watch. And there's some interesting scenes, but, but you know, it's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. It's a pretty ridiculous film. And I saw it in my favorite theater. I saw it in the wow. Reclining. So even you were already predisposed the to movie be theaters where it's forgiving. A lazy oh, boy, yeah. and they bring you food. Because it looked like, even from the trailer, first of all, the trailer gives you the entire, um, pretty much, progression of the film. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what's going to happen sure. in the first 40 to 50 minutes now. Right. Yeah. And then also, as the trailer progresses, I realized, okay, well, now it seems like towards the end of the film, her powers are getting ridiculous. Like, even unlocking all your brain's potential in the mythology. But now it just mm-hmm. seems like you can destroy the planet with a thought. That That's mm-hmm. really, that's right. where we're headed in this. So now it's... Well, now it's just kind of ridiculous. Right. So. And she shapeshifts, doesn't she? Yeah, that starts I mean, to happen a little bit, and you're just like, I don't know. But it's also just with a thought. You know, you make everyone pass out. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, yeah. then what's. La Femme Nikita was 24 years ago. Yeah. I got to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> and the professional was, was 20 years ago. I got to let it go, because after that, we saw the fifth element and all this other stuff. I just, I can't even. There's an argument to be made that the fifth element was a beautiful mess of a movie. <laughs> well, a lot was... of people say it was missing the sixth element. Yeah. A st- <laughs> Good story. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It was It was one of those movies that the fifth element I got to put in a class all by itself because it's no one scene matches any other scene. And it's yeah. like some fever dream cut together um, <laughs> with all these, you know, actors and special effects that make no sense when combined. So for that reason it was almost like a snow piercer <laughs> uh right. but like you know snow piercer was much more coherent but uh, but that kind of like i'm just gonna throw all these things into one movie and see what comes out yeah i mean i here's what i'll say about lucy i guess it's dumb summer fun 
kind of. You know, there's some all right mm, moments in it. You know, it, it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't pitched as dumb summer fun, <laughs> no. right? It wasn't what? It wasn't pitched to the public as dumb summer fun. No. She it's... doesn't have a raccoon sidekick. No, no, it, <laughs> right. does, it doesn't. It was, it was literally Although that like... might actually... <laughs> now, according to her power, she could have created one, though, right? Well, that was the whole thing. That's why this movie was so vague. Yeah. They're just like, her brain can do anything, and we're not going to spend the time to tell you or figure out. or Like, they didn't spend the time to go through the script and go, okay, what are the rules of this science fiction? Right. They and just went... That's a deadly mistake. She can just kind of do whatever, and just anything. She can stop bullets and guns, and, mm-hmm. and then change her hair color. And Well, that was my problem with Transcendence, right. which we watched uh, the same day that we saw The Hunterford Journey. Mm-hmm. My son and I, Jake, and... What were the rules? Like, if he's everywhere, if Johnny Depp, as Lucy, mm-hmm. is now everywhere, doesn't he have a satellite camera? He can see the bad guys down the street. Yeah. Couldn't he stop anything? Yeah. He could come it, through right. this microphone and choke me to death. Yeah, does it matter? Yeah. yeah. Now, there's, now there's no conflict. There's literally, you, well, if you do anything, what's the point? Yeah. And then there's no, you can't stop, then they're just this all, all-knowing force. And so this right. movie had that, that minor little shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, I think I got to. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done giving Luke Besson the benefit of the doubt from twenty some years ago. Well, that, you've been very generous up to now. Yeah, <laughs> you're a fan. Uh, I know, yeah. and he's contributed to like the first take in and okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely. Let him do that, but I just these movies are dumb. Um, I actually went to see Guardians of the Galaxy again this weekend, and this was a decision I kind of made because my daughter really wanted to see it, and it was her first PG thirteen movie. She's nine. And I'm actually probably a little overly cautious with uh, media when it comes to my kids because I know pretty much everything mm-hmm. that's out there from video games to movies to TV shows. And one of the things, too, I think sometimes that backfires because I, I've been so careful in what she sees. She went to a friend's house and was watched a YouTube video, and it scared the hell out of her. And uh, it was one of those goofy, like a bunch of um, middle school kids made like a little Bloody Mary sure. like video mm-hmm. and it's it looks ridiculous and is cheap but to her she's never seen anything right. like that she got terrified and she like couldn't sleep for a couple of days so I'm like alright well let me now I really gotta watch what she's exposed to um, and she loved this movie this was like I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is a great kind of entry level for like a kid that's just getting Mm -hmm. into you know 10 11 around there because it doesn't have kind of like um the violence of like one of the like the last captain america which is a much darker film Mm -hmm. and um she loved it it was a little long for her like you know most kids movies are about an hour and a half and when you get into like the longer movies she's like i love this movie but is it almost over right (laughs) that kind of thing but uh she loved it she loved the characters and um it was mission accomplished. So, and even watching it the second time, I really enjoyed it as well. So, now my wife is actually going to go see it with a friend of hers. So, I'm thinking, how many tickets are we actually buying for this film as a family? Right. And I'm thinking it's this is like the sign of like a huge blockbuster movie because uh, blockbuster movies. It's not that everyone goes to see it. It's everyone goes to see it multiple times in the movie theater. Well, it sounds like you need to see it a third time. Yeah, chances are we will. Yeah. With your wife we'll, and her we'll probably like, get a babysitter with um our six for our 6-year-old and then we'll all three of us will go again. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it, it's just as a shout out to the fans, all your guys responses to the spoiler app we did with Jackie Cation about Guardians of the Galaxy has been great. Mm-hmm. Um we it was yeah, that was a fun episode to do and we're glad you guys uh dug it. So now, my son uh, again, Jake that we see a lot of movies together. He said it had elements of Star Wars and Halo. 
He may oh, have been talking Guardians about the, of the weapon. Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. He there, loved it. He said it was yes. just funny. Yeah. It was it's all of that. It definitely made me feel like well, I was watching Star Wars again as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's what was like so great. And one of the things too is uh because the characters were so awesome. You know, you've like you literally when you, if you break it down, that's a it's a great parallel because mm-hmm. you've got like what was a really fun character in Star Wars? Chewbacca, yeah, and he was, you know, uh, basically an animal. <laughs> so who didn't speak? Had, who just didn't speak? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Han so, would go, "I know, buddy. We yeah. gotta, we yeah. gotta change and, this or whatever." And that's what they did with Groot. Low on and, oil yep. for the yeah, yeah, and exactly. The, and these, the, you know, the these giant space battles and big spaceships and adventures and you know pasts and all these um, <laughs> and the humor too it was just right. a really funny, fun movie. Um, Halo. I don't know about Halo. I think um, that I'm not sure. Did he say like specifically? I think what he was his... referring to the weapons. Oh, the weapons. The weapons. Okay, right. Yeah. Well, that sure. And Weapon designs. I mean, stuff, yeah. there's only so many ways you could design a futuristic pulse rifle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, for in movies and video games, there's not too many different ways you can go after a certain amount of time. Right. Um, you know, I think maybe somebody will will eventually. You can even make the parallel to uh, if you remember that the black hole movie. When they had those weird pistols that, that uh, it went it was almost like a U, and they would shoot. So you, his gun kind of you know. Anyway, that's really getting into wow. some uh, black hole <laughs> reference. Yeah. yeah, you got a Saturn Five one. Yeah. Ready to go? <laughs> Somebody in our audience will get it if we had if we did. Um, so I was yeah I was really um, really enjoyed seeing that movie again. So now we'll talk about another movie, uh, Most Wanted Man. You saw it too. Yeah, after the Lucy thing, I had to, I had to do something. Right, palate cleanser. I had to yeah. very much you needed a, a cinematic sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to um, a Most Wanted Man, and one of the reasons I wanted to see this was, you know, I believe it might be Philip Seymour Hoffman's last movie or is close Mm-mm. to his last movie. When a celebrity dies, there's always five to six films that come out after right. the death. And in fact, I think the last one coming out might be uh, Hunger Games. Might be the last oh, one. Oh, okay. Um, so, so the director is uh, Anton Korb- Korbjin. I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Um, but uh, he is the one who directed uh, The American with George Clooney. Um and uh, directed a U2, the best of 1990 to 2000. He, so he is a guy who I liked. And, and I really liked The American. And I remember when that came out. And similar to The American, though, very methodical pacing. European pacing. European pacing, for sure. So you got to be ready for that. You have to go in knowing. But it's all of this. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman's movie. He's just... Is it like a spy movie? Like, what is it? It's a spy movie. Spy movie, it's, it's, okay. It's, and it's, it's one of these, like loosely based on actual stuff because mm-hmm. the the mastermind of 9/11 did it in in Hamburg Germany. Right. And so then the German uh, government along with us obviously was like never again so they set up a special spy unit that he's in charge of that's sort of off the books kind of and um does power corrupt him? No. No, it's not. It's oh. not any of those I thought cliche- that was the Nope. It's none of those cliche things. It's one of these guys who is just dogmatic in, I'm going to get this job done and I'm doing this the right, the right way. And then, you know, gets kind of, is always caught in between the politics of it. He's the guy on the street doing it. This is how it has to get done. And then, well, this government and the CIA is pressuring the German government and the German government is fighting within it. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff. 
which I always find kind of intriguing to actually see the nuts and bolts of how this shit gets done. You know, not in a sort of Jason Bourne way of just like, there's this room with these computers that have access to everything and here's this weapon who just goes out and settles it. This is like, it felt more like this is how it would get done. So it wasn't like Lucy. It was not (laughs) like Lucy. No, there were rules in this world because it was a real world. He didn't just suddenly shapeshift and grab the terrorist guns and turn them into butter or whatever. (laughs) Um, So, uh, and it's, you know, and he's got some scenes where he's, it just, it's, it's one of these movies that like, this is an actor's movie. Like the director opposite of a hundred foot journey. And this isn't a critique of either film, but just a different style of like, I'm going to just go into some medium shots and some close ups and let these actors go. Let, let them act. act. Let yeah. them act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, he just has, um, and just how it plays out, you know, and how they go about things. Um, it's, it's, um, um, where is her? Anyway, the, I forget the, the woman's name. Um, the American actress who's in it, who's in house of cards. Why am I blanking on her name? <laughs> Come on. You're killing me. Um, Robin Wright Penn. Yes. Thank you. Thank God. That would have been brutal. And we're not going to edit out that pause. Um, but, but the water sits. It's real. You know, there's, there's a couple of great one-on-one scenes because she works for the CIA and sort of the negotiation that has to happen and how, you know, he's this sort of man of ethics. He's ethical within the spy world. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really amazing film and it makes you bummed out, you know, uh, especially since, you know, I, I saw it, uh, yesterday afternoon, I had just found out about Robin Williams, and you're just like, "Oh, here's another guy who lost his right. battle to addiction and depression." Yes, and it's just you're just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> it's such it's it just sucks, man. It's hard to see them on screen. It is these actors that pass. Philip Seymour Hoffman had a movie come out of uh, probably six months ago. It was about a, I want to say it was a town outside of Pittsburgh, and. And he was, he didn't grow up there, but everyone else did. Oh, no. And they hung he, out at the bar. What's he, that called? The movie. Um, I love that movie. Uh, that area and called, whatever. It's, shit. You know the area. The title of the movie was called the. Like Shit Town. Kicks, Kicks Highway or Tough Guy Road. Yeah. Or, 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 or <laughs> oh, this is, all right, all right. I do have a computer in front of me. We don't have to play this game. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> I, I bring God's pocket. Oh God's yes, pocket. God's pocket. Yes, Thank yes, you, yes, yes, Jesus. Pocket. Yeah, that's Shit. Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. That's and what uh, and I remember, like like I said before, that was um, it, the great thing about God's pocket is that if you really want to know what Philadelphia is like, that's a, it was it's such a great book. It's not a great book story wise. It's all character and atmosphere. So I still have to see the movie. I definitely want to see it. But I remember um, another comedian before I moved to L.A. gave me that book as I was leaving it, like my going away party. Because if you ever miss Philly, read this book. Oh wow! And uh, uh, Big Daddy Graham was the uh, the comic <laughs> oh, yeah. in uh, in Philly. And uh, who is he still performing? He's still on the radio. Big still, Daddy Graham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. He's like a, a staple in Philly. But uh, the thing about Philip Seymour Hoffman too, and, and like you're talking about, is that. Depression is so misunderstood in this mm-hmm. country. I mean, you realize, oh well, he's so successful. Why would he be depressed? And like, it has nothing to do with. One it's or honestly the, other. the fact that it needs to be addressed 
like an illness. Yeah, it's no one's like you're so rich. Why did you get the flu? Yeah, why you know you had everything right, to look exactly, forward to. Why yeah. would you die of cancer? Yeah, why would you yeah. choose cancer? It's just like anyone that struggled deeply with mental illness will tell you, I did not choose this. No, no one does. And you know, I had a friend um, call me last night. You know, she was I haven't talked to her in several years, and she was struggling with depression, and just sent me this text about you know something I had given her and how it was helping her. And I just called her up and hadn't talked to her in a while. And, and she was, you know, was just going through a tough time. And it's, it's, you know, if you've never had like clinical depression, you don't like, I've never had that. I've had times where I've been depressed in my life, but I can just sort of, I can just get over it. Mm -hmm. If, If you have clinical depression, you can't, you know what I mean? It's just like saying, just get over it. Like, get over having a, you know, get over having cancer. Just stop having it, you know? And, and so... Pull yourself together, man. Yeah, pull yourself together. Like, why'd you get cancer? Um, you know, and so I, I'm hoping that... I'm hoping that we get, we get, we get after it a, a little more in this country in terms of, of treating it and understanding it um, because it's, it's just a... Chris is the worst. I am not here. Wow, he just the left the garage. Just he can't my, turn his phone off. No, I'm not here. Um, like his first podcast. Uh, Maria um, Bamford is one of the first people that I've seen bring mental illness to the forefront. Comedically. Comedically. And, in and, her yeah, act. Yeah, I should say, comedically. Yeah. And make her her routines about it in a way that is not jokey-joking it. Right. Like She's telling it like it is yeah. and somehow makes the perverse line up with the funny. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, in fact, her, her act actually was the first introduction for me mm-hmm. to go, oh, this is, this is not just what crazy people have. Right. It's, it's a thing. And, and I think, and you know, hats off to Maria for doing that because she has sort of, and, and, and one of the things I've learned in doing earbuds, in shooting the interviews for the documentary. The people go- really opened up about it. Really opened up about it because a lot of podcasters have opened up about it. They've mm-hmm. talked about what they've struggled with depression-wise. I mean, Paul Gilmartin started Mental Illness Happy Hour. And, um, you know, midway through shooting, the crew guys for Earbuds were like, well, this, is, this theme keeps coming up of how this podcast or that podcast got me through my, helps me with my depression. Or, you know, I'm hearing... Uh, a famous comedian talk about their struggles makes I don't feel like an. I don't. I'm feel not like, alone. I'm not right. alone. I'm not a freak. Well, if this person has it, I got to tell yeah. you. Let's just, for the sake of argument, say that I like to dress up in pretty dresses. Sure, which I do, but I'm saying for it sake here, of argument. For yeah. sake of argument, it's a safe place. When I was growing up, there was no internet. So right. let's say the internet comes along, and all of a sudden. I can find a forum or a website with other dudes, right, like myself, mm-hmm. that like to. Cascade down the stairs in a chiffon dress. Yes, right. and parade around. I don't feel so crazy <laughs> right. anymore. Right. Theoretically. Yes. <laughs> okay. You don't feel so alone. And now it's, I feel like that's more commonplace. Well, right? yeah, because I so think. So now, sorry, with, with podcasts and mental illness and depression, the more we talk about it, the more we find out that, hey, I'm not alone. There are others like me. It, it either allows us to go get help that we were scared to get. If I tell my Which is the wife or my my uh, parents, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the more people talk about anything, 
the more we can kind of figure it out together. Well, the stigma too is like if you, I tell my parents or my wife or my husband, they're not going to understand. They're just going to go, well, what's wrong with you? Get over it. Yeah, get over yeah. it. So I think, you know, anytime it, there's a healthy discussion is being had, I think it will help. Yeah, and I, it, it's, it's, it's true, like, um, you know, as, as like Gil Martin says on his show, you know, get help, ask for help, you know, reach out, you know, and I'm so glad my friend reached out to me last night, you know, because she was having suicidal thoughts. And I was like, you know, she's like, would anyone miss me if I'm gone and all that stuff? I'm like, well, I would, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, these are some of the things I've gone through, whatever. And I was like, and, and talk to a professional, you know, and um, I hope that we as a society can start having these discussions. And it's one of the things that I do love about podcasting is we can just have this discussion in the middle of a movie. Sure. A movie yeah. review show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a movie, a movie review TV show can't just suddenly have this discussion <laughs> in the middle of it. Right. Cause they got to exactly. get to a commercial break. <laughs> they can't suddenly talk about depression and Maria Bamford and whoever else, you know? And so that, 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 that's why I love this. So how do the pharmaceuticals companies, how do the pharmaceutical companies affect like there's plenty of advertising for zoloft and these other things yes is that that's obviously driven by sales not that they're insincere but how is that really the cure i'm asking i don't know i don't know i don't know, I don't know I enough that's about a great it discussion to have I, well i, I will say this um they definitely the mood elevating drugs help tremendously um not everyone responds to them but there is many different types of drugs and what they do is they basically even you out so you don't have those mm-hmm. spikes and uh they can really be helpful absolutely yeah uh, now the interesting thing about them is like they don't always work on everybody and uh the doses might be off and then also um they're difficult they're more difficult to get off of you have to like step down the dose and gradually well, that's the problem uh, is that right. someone gets yeah. on them and then they go off them and, and then, then i t- i mean i talk about this in my book i ended up at a psychiatrist's office because of uh, i had such severe depression and anxiety about becoming a father and um one of the things that did help me was a mood elevator was uh was the drugs and it evened everything out um but then as things got better then i gradually had to go off it but you can't just stop taking them Mm-mm. because your body they build up in your system to start working like you can't just take one and feel better they literally build up but they also have to drop back down so you have to go on lower doses until you can finally get off them and i remember when talking to the psychiatrist now i don't believe this but he actually said to me he's like you know talk therapy doesn't really help that much it's all about the drugs and mood elevators and like i I don't buy that i don't buy that i think you're just being lazy is uh, right. you're writing a prescription, and you know I think if people want to talk through stuff, you should be a little more supportive. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, well, yeah, it's, it's also just like w- what works for each individual, right? Exactly. Like maybe talk, you know, mm-hmm. that you can't <laughs> just say one blanket <laughs> statement. Like, yeah, I never went back to him. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. All right, guys. Well, um, yeah, most wanted man. See it. <laughs> so. Now let's. Uh, we have one ad to do before we want to talk about uh, Jordan's movies, and this is another Kickstarter backer, Mike Myers. Um, oh, and, uh, longtime fan, Mike Myers. Yeah, longtime fan, Mike Myers. He is a graphic designer, and if you have any type of graphic design needs, both web and print, you uh, make sure you go check him out at his website. I love his website. It's not that Mike Myers dot com. 
either one. Yeah. Or, they or the serial from killer. From yeah. The movies. <laughs> so it's N O T T H A T um, M I K E M Y E R S. So it's spelled exactly the same way as the uh, the other Mike Myers is. So not that Mike Myers dot com for all your graphic design needs, both web and print. And Mike, we of course want to thank you for supporting earbuds. And also, guys, Mike is one of us. He's yeah. one, one of you guys. He's a fan. He's he's been with the show for a and long. And he's a good graphic designer. He's a good graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've as we've said on the show numerous times, vote with your dollars. And this is a way to support an independent artist. Literally, yeah, literally mm-hmm. supporting an independent artist. And he contributed to earbuds. And we're talking about it on the show. And this is a way we can yeah. sort of this this podcast and this comedy film nerd community can kind of be there for each other i don't know what you people are doing right now but chances are you need a poster <laughs> so for something right. yeah you have something yeah. that needs a poster step up at yard sale yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you going to compete with all the other yard sales yeah. your you kids lemonade stand yeah. are you really going to not market that let your yeah. kid just flounder out there Seriously. with some dumb so, crayon thing? what kind of parent are you never too young to start branding <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, speaking now, of branding, yes, let's talk about now. Um, Jordan, you've been making um, um, f- two films about comedians. I am comic, and the recent I am road comic. But you started out as a comedian, and then you moved into filmmaking and doing um, commercials. Correct. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that journey first. Like, how long did you do stand up, and then when did you make the transition? I uh, was able to ride the comedy wave, the boom in the eighties, early nineties. And uh, stand-up was very, very good to me. Mm. And I got on enough shows and, uh, you know, did some sitcom acting work. I was never very good as an actor. Mm-hmm. But I loved being on set. And, and you know, I tell people, if, if you really want to work in production, be an extra. Oh, yeah. And just watch. You can go read a book or eat donuts and shoot the shit with people. But if you just sit there and watch, you can learn everything. And I, was, I wasn't an extra, but I was doing some like guest starring roles on sitcoms, mm-hmm. and I would notice what was going down. Like, oh, in TV, these writers rule the roost. Oh, in these commercials, the director has quite a bit of freedom mm-hmm. working with these agencies. Um, so I transitioned from stand-up into directing when I was on a show, and uh, I said, hey, I want to – I started making short films. Mm-hmm. And then I said, hey, I want to direct this show that I'm on, which is a popular avenue for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And they said, okay. They actually said, if you produce six segments, you can direct one. So I ended up producing quite a bit so I could direct more. And by the third season, I was directing quite a bit. What was the show? Oh, it was a, a Saturday morning favorite called Name Your Adventure. <laughs> and it was, uh, I was sort of the second banana that no one would remember. And Mario Lopez, the ageless, dimple-faced host, was the, he was the 200-pound gorilla. He was the big right. star because it was in the Saved by the Bell era. Got it. So yeah. it was like single-camera, reality-scripted hybrid mm-hmm. in the early 90s, before right. the reality boom. With mm-hmm. the Dick Clark of our era. The ageless, yes. beautiful, <laughs> yes, the Dick Clark of our era, Mario Lopez. What a, and a nice guy. And kids sure. would write in their letters, and whatever they wanted to do, if the show could afford it, we would pick the letter and take the kid on the adventure. Oh, cool. Name your adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh, like cool. queen for a day. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they weren't dying. No, no, no. Okay. They could be. Yeah. <laughs> it, did, it just didn't increase their odds of, right. <laughs> of getting on the show. And anything that was life-threatening, 
Mario was not allowed to do because of the insurance policy and sure. Saved by the Bell. So you had so to do I it. went shark diving. Mm-hmm. I jumped no, out of the plane. Nice. I yeah, did all kinds of crazy. Went to space camp. Through, you know, throughout the first pitch at a Cubs oh. game. Oh, dude! Yeah, it was really cool. Really cool job. Did it for three summers. Now, I'm doing stand-up all the while. And I work at the Improv on mm-hmm. Melrose. But no one in the crowd knew that I was on this show for three years. Because, you know, you got to be 18 or 21 or whatever it was. Yeah. And the people that watch the show are like 14, 12 yeah. years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy, but it was quite a uh, a wonderful learning ground mm-hmm. for directing. And then I, I did a, um, I wrote a like a mock documentary, kind of a country Spinal Tap. A lot of comedians, Dana Gould's in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Koechner, mm-hmm. Billy Burke, who was uh, the star of Evolution. Yeah, was, yeah. Was, he was the the title character, Dill Scallion, mm-hmm. and uh, Lauren Graham, oh, one of her course. first movies. Yeah. So. <clears throat> I think she has a movie with Robin Williams that's coming out now. That's going to come out. I just read. Oh. But anyway, there was a lot. It was a first for a lot of these actors, and that mm-hmm. was my first first feature. Right. And then I made some bombs and got into commercials. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 that's <is> true. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah, yeah. that's the truth. Now, what made you decide to go back into um, uh, the comedy world and documentaries and um, telling the comedian story? Okay, how nerdy can I get? As far as you want. Okay. So in the the early 90s, I'm doing this kid's show, and I'm directing, I'm trying to get this movie going, writing Mm -hmm. a script. Wrote a couple of screenplays, you know, Mm -hmm. that I got hired to do and everything. And Wayne Fetterman, this will all come around. Wayne Mm -hmm. Fetterman, one of my best buddies. I'm looking at the UCLA extension class calendar that would come to my house, going... You know, who teaches that comedy class? You can't teach someone to be funny. And I'm a working stand-up comedian doing colleges still while transitioning. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, my best friend is teaching the comedy class at UCLA. And he has not told me. That motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't tell him. I negotiate with the Regents of California to make the documentary about the stand-up class. So I show up on the first day of class with a, you know, like a digital Hi8 camera and a microphone and some wireless mics around the room. And Wayne comes in and goes, what are you doing here? I go, I'm making a documentary about the UCLA extension class on how to be funny. But I go, no, I got releases. I got an agreement with the <laughs> UCLA. I'm doing this. And we had such a good laugh. And we watched these people become you know, try to become stand-ups. We, mm-hmm. well, then we worked together. We brought in uh, Janine Garofalo as a speaker. Mm-hmm. Bob Zaney was a speaker. It was crazy. So the whole thing started pretty much on a practical joke. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and that ended up being a 30-minute documentary. Mm-hmm. And I sold it to comedy. I don't even know if it was Comedy Central yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there used to be... Or something. Yeah, there used yeah. to be two. Whatever. But I think they had just become Comedy Central. And, and that was in the... That was 20-some years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Or more. Wow. More, yeah. And I started doing commercials. I did these features, whatever thing. And then what happens is YouTube is born. And the ad agency hires the director. The ad agency creates the script. And the directors, depending upon your status, you get a lot of freedom. You craft a, a funny little 24-second story right. with six seconds of crap at the end on how to buy it and mm-hmm. the deal. And as YouTube is there, I'd go back to the video village with the monitors and the ad agency kids, and they're mm-hmm. going, 
hey, we just saw your stand-up bit from the A-list on YouTube, or hey, we saw you on this show from YouTube. And YouTube is now showing me with, I'm svelte, I've got the shoulder pads in the suit. <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't wearing a piano key tie, but I, I wish I was. <laughs> and for like three or four years, people were going, what was it like to be a stand-up comedian? And I would tell them like about working the road and staying at the comedy condo and mm-hmm. you know all the things that we know. Right. But people found fascinating. What was that like? So after a few years of it, I'm going, you know, I just got to make another documentary. And the other one was way old, but I knew, like, okay, how to craft a story, and I'd edited, and I'd uh-huh. edited scripted films and whatnot. So I just set out to make, make this documentary. I started reading books, and this is crazy, too, because you see how the internet played a, a wonderful mm-hmm. part. So I buy a bunch of books about stand-up. There's one, there's a famous one called The Last Lap by Phil Berger. I don't know if you read that one uh-uh. it's, it was it was old then but it keeps coming out again right. and somehow amazon says because you bought this book you'd probably like this book i killed by rich scheidner and mark schiff and i was like oh i worked with rich back right. in the heyday yeah so i buy the book and i read it and it's got these road stories in it and i call up rich and we hook up and we just start shooting the movie That's and we awesome. pitched it a couple times Mm-hmm. But after a while, I'm, you realize I'm, that that's a waste of time. Well, it's a it's a waste, and I got a crew, and I shoot commercials. And if we shot on Thursday, like Kentucky Fried Chicken, paid for much of I Am Comic the first time. <laughs> they don't know it, mm-hmm. but it was like I got a crew. Hey guys, we're shooting on Thursday, Friday morning. We're going to set up at the Improv. It'll be painless. I'll buy everybody food and drinks, right. and we'll interview a bunch of comedians. Right. So that's how that's how the first I Am Comic mm-hmm. started. Nice. So I'm sorry it was a long story. No, 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 no. It's, a good it's one. Uh, you know un- unintentionally <laughs> sponsored by Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> yeah. and That's then, great. And then, what prompted you to then just do the I Am Road comic, sort of the second addition to it, or yeah, it was like an addendum. Like you uh, said, a lot yeah. of unanswered questions from the first one. If, yeah, you if you, you know, it's like a cliffhanger. Well, it, what happens to Wayne Fetterman's class? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish that that was in it. I wish I could find that. <laughs> So Don Barnhart is a mm-hmm. popular comedian, hypnotist. We're very familiar with you know, Don. Don. Entertains mm-hmm. the troops, good guy. He made a documentary about a comedy class that he taught in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking on the name, but it's on his website. Sure. And it's, it's great. And we're talking about documentary things and story beats and mm-hmm. distribution and whatnot. And as we're hanging up the phone, he goes... Hey, uh, I understand. You know, you're doing some stand-up. Do you want to do this gig? I got up in uh, Washington State. Jack Diddley's. Jack Diddley's. And I go, Oh no, no, I just do like five or ten minutes. Like, you know, I don't really have an act. I'm not a working. He goes, No, no, no. You go up there. Take a friend. You'll co-headline. <laughs> and I go, You're serious? He goes, Yeah, yeah. It's a few months away. You'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cool. And I go, Okay, yes. So I booked the gig. I asked Wayne Fetterman to go with me. We, I screwed up. The, somebody booked us two other nights so we could do like a four-night thing mm-hmm. and amortize the cost. We were going to drive and the whole thing. And when I called, the guy goes, oh, I didn't hear from you. I booked someone else. So we had to fly up there. Right. I mean, I lost so much money. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. And like I tried to sell T-shirts just sure. to play the part. I lost a couple hundred bucks. You know, Don's like, they love the merch. You know, I'm giving away T-shirts. Yeah. 
for a dollar. I got I got a very similar um, conversation with Don about that room, and he's so nice too. And he goes, uh, he goes, well, just you know, come up to the room. I said, you know, I I haven't done forty five minutes in a long time. I don't even have forty five minutes anymore. And he goes, well, just talk to the crowd, just fill in the time. You know, it's like you're trying. I'm like, no, I'm giving you excuse not to hire me. (laughs) (laughs) Hand out pamphlets, bring a PowerPoint, whatever you want. Give a shit. Karaoke. So great. Yeah, yeah. Sell them stuff. I don't mm-hmm. care. Love puppets. Yeah. <laughs> Do a cooking demo. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> he, yeah, it was it was so much fun. And and the goal of I Am Road Comic for me was to see, okay, can you make a living? It's it's not the Louis C.K. or Todd Berry going and booking his own theater. Right. Right. At a, a level a little bit below Louis. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not Brian Regan with his own tour bus. Right. Doing the road. Or how Graham? How you and Doug went on the road? Mm-hmm. That was, that was even that was that was a step above because you both were a draw uh-huh. and people were coming to see you. Right here is just a bar with some dudes grinding it out. Yep. And I wanted to see what was that like. It's it's not about can Jordan Brady sustain on stage. I'm mm-hmm. the butt of the joke and I, and I did okay. Well, I wasn't a, nervous or anything. I, it was I about say, the money of it too. Well, know? I will say this is one of the reasons why I liked the film when I when I saw it is because it it. Gave it a personal element that a lot of times documentaries don't necessarily have. Because um, it was partly about you, how you had started stand-up, you had stopped for a while. Now let me see what the road's like now and see w- what parts I remember, what parts I didn't like the first time. Are they mm-hmm. still around? And uh, and to go with Wayne, who is a seasoned pro, has been doing it for many years. Yeah. And uh, it was a really interesting dynamic to see not only... Um, your reaction, Wayne's reaction, and also the newer comics that you interviewed as well, like just starting out on their right. career. Like this is, you know, to to them, this is a big deal. You know, your first paid gig, you know, when you're a comic, this is a huge deal, whether it's $25 or $50 or, you know, 200 It's like, I'm a paid comic now. Young Seth Milstein. Yes. He answered an ad on Twitter, and he was actually in I Am Comic – uh, just in a montage of scenes because mm-hmm. we we shot at the um, Bridgetown Festival in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he was in a shot with Todd Glass, Portland. Portland sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, and so he took a bus sixteen hours to do the gig because I said, "Hey, Jesus. I can't do all the time. Who wants to right. do a, a set? And I'll pay you, and you can stay in my hotel." He saw my balls. He definitely saw my balls because <laughs> we couldn't afford another room, and that's part of the road or towels. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm a large man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, I was very blessed with the um, that the comedy community embraced I Am Comic. So I got to meet some new people like T.J. Miller and oh, Pete right. Holmes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Benson, very nice mm-hmm. with an interview. Um, and Doug, Doug actually helped me launch. Doug Benson is the reason I decided to do the $5 download. Because he said, why don't we... I was just going to screen in L.A. And he goes, well, why don't we do a podcast? Why don't we do a Doug Loves Movies before the show? And I'm going, well, this is a great time to tell people to buy it. Mm -hmm. And that's been the home-spun distribution. Right on. Right. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome, guys. We'll check it out. I am uh, Comic. Let's go into some And uh, and I am Road Comic. I am Comic's been out for a while. I mean, it was on Showtime. 2010. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure you could get it on Amazon... Sure. For a dollar, 
I saw one of my movies, not actually in the bargain bin, but it was leveling the bargain bin. It was underneath <laughs> one of the legs of the bargain well, bin. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, it's mm-hmm. But I am Road Comic. I am RoadComic.com. Right on. Bucks. And it's coming up on Hulu, I think, in next week, coming end of the up. month. Great. Check coming it out, guys. Yeah. I am right. Road Comic. Move, move it forward. Let's do uh, DVDs. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, this is Muppets Most Wanted. I actually, I liked this movie. It wasn't as good as the first one because the mm-hmm. first one was just kind of such a fun surprise. Um, and I don't think Jason Siegel was involved in the, the second one. Um, but it was still really fun. Ricky Gervais is funny and there's a lot of good cameos. And Tina Fey is fantastic in it. And uh, it's always just fun to see the Muppets on screen. So recommended. Bears is a nature documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting Disney's releasing them both. Right. Although maybe Bears isn't at Disney. No, it is Disney. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, is there a narrator in Bears? I think John so. John C. Riley. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so, yeah. I um, This wasn't about the Chicago Bears football game, <laughs> so I had no use for it. It, it could be. It could be. <laughs> it should have been. A young um, cub becomes a football yeah. player. That's a Disney movie. He's yeah. the first ever bear that's in the league, and he kicks yeah. the winning field goal. It's like Gus, the mule yeah, that exactly. plays uh, exactly. <laughs> football. Um, so, The Railway Man. I saw this movie. It was excellent. It's mm-hmm. um, a really powerful film. If you didn't, it had very limited release. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get a chance to see it, and you I, like trains, I like trains. Sure, go see what the railway. The, man. I've never heard of the railway man. This is um, the. I want to bring this up. The railway man uh, stars uh, Colin Firth and Nicole Kidman. It's mainly about Colin Firth was a, a World War II. POW, he was in the English uh, right. military and he was like tortured. And then now, like 30 years later, 20, 30 years later, he goes back to confront his, this guy. Um, and it's it's a really, it's an amazing story. He, he was in a Japanese, Japanese prisoner war camp Jap- and they tried to break him down. Yeah. In the trailer, he lifts like a railroad tie. Yeah, yeah. They try to break him down. <clears throat> and then he's basically now in his like 50s trying to deal with it. You know, and and he isn't coping with it, and he's like, I got to go back and confront this guy and find this guy. So it's 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 a it's a really good it's a really good story, and it's one of those movies that again, um, you probably didn't probably didn't come through your city. There's a good chance it didn't. So I would get it on DVD if you get the chance. And Locke is now is the other movie. I think that's a um, I think that's Tom Hardy, if I remember. Oh yeah, that is the um, where he's literally in the car the entire time. It's man, I missed this movie, and I can't wait to see it because I heard it was just amazing. He's it's this sort of Neil liked it. There's a review on the on the site. Um, So yeah, I want to see that too, and I want to check out. I want you guys to check out Philomena. This is a movie I finally got to see, Mm -hmm. and this is another movie that. Very limited re- release, difficult to find, even in Los Angeles. Which even was with even, it getting a lot yeah. of Oscar buzz. Even with getting Oscar buzz, it was, you know, the studios just made the decision, we're not going to put the marketing budget into this right. film, which is a shame because it's a fantastic movie. And uh, Steve Coogan is amazing in it. And Steve Coogan, for those of you that don't know, he's actually a very famous comedian in the UK. He's not as famous here. Um, he's oftentimes, he gets kind of relegated to these little supporting roles in American right. films that he's the much, wacky buddy. Yeah. Or yeah. Or he's much better than that. Um, and I'm watching this movie and Judy Dench and Steve Coogan together are absolutely phenomenal. And Steve Coogan's funny, but also he's a very solid dramatic actor. I mean, he really makes you feel for what, um, Judy Dench is going through and how she, her, um, child was given up for adoption many so years based ago. Based on a true story. Based on a true a, story, which makes a, it even more heart-wrenching when you Irish, see what's going on. Uh, 
it was foster a, home. It, not a well, it was run by nuns. Yeah, it was a um, it was an um, an abbey. And what was going on is they were then basically this isn't a spoiler, but they were selling the children pretty much to like um, Ameri- rich American families. And um, this is the journey 50 years later of her going, you know, to search for her son. I won't give anything away, but the thing that really um, struck with me about this movie is that her compassion of her, basically her child being stolen from her and going through her entire life, and she never really became that embittered and that, you know, she really still kept Mm -hmm. her faith and kept, um, you know, the kindness in her, whereas Steve Coogan was the cynical journalist absolute opposite and there's a great scene when they kind of you know have a lot a lot of kind of have it out a little bit like well i don't want to be like you Uh, and mm -hmm. it's it's a great it's a great scene and it's it just kind of shows the difference between those characters who are not only based on real people you feel like they're real people Mm -hmm. as you're watching this film and it's a great movie i really recommend you guys uh check it out that's why judy dench is great because she's somebody who like her and meryl streep i'll I'll see trailers of movies that they're in and sometimes i'll get whatever i'll get jaded and go like (laughs) all right yeah Yeah. i get it oscar bait yeah it'll be great and Mm -hmm. then you watch and go yeah this they are yeah it's really good yeah great everything's a reason there's also a bit of a whodunit in that movie too trying to you know put the puzzle pieces together yes and like, you're you're in the journey finding right I, i'm just in listening to you because i watched the movie when it came out mm-hmm. uh and oscar they sent out yeah, dvds yeah yeah, yeah. Know, and screeners mm-hmm. and i'm surprised that it wasn't everywhere right yeah it was a yeah. well-crafted film it's one of those great mo- story y- yep and you, you i think sometimes they just make the mistake of we have a limited marketing budget what movies are we going to do? What we're going to yeah. do, and this is too art housey. Oh, so people won't get it. We won't get it. It's mm. the most human story. Like a yeah. mainstream audience would, I would think, would be attracted to that more so than any. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so All check right. it out. Check it out. A couple good ones, guys. <clears throat> you know, I will make a plea to your listeners to not only support the podcast, but support both independent film and art house films for sure. Because uh, there's nothing better. Then sitting in a theater with a group of people and having that, it's a congregation, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, for me, it's my church. It's my temple. Mm-hmm. I love going to movies. I go alone. Mm-hmm. If I got an afternoon, yep. I can go sneak in a movie. I love seeing it in the theater. And, you know, it's, I have stepdaughters. I have kids. And sometimes it's, well, no, if we don't go tonight, we'll have to watch on TV. Like, we have to go. This is right. the last night it will be in the theater right. where we can get a sitter or we can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So I implore you people, go out there and see a film for yourself. You'll feel better. It's absolutely true. And I, you know, uh, especially like I saw A Most Wanted Man yesterday afternoon at the Arclight and supporting, I, uh, you know, I get, we've, we've gotten emails from people like, man, it's hard to go to a Cineplex and it's crowded. Oh, and, and when you have a family, it's, it's, it's even more it's difficult. It's very expensive. I totally get that. Yeah, but, leave the family at home. I'm yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> that's $116 with popcorn. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yes, worm, it is. Parking. Yep. But I'm telling you, and especially though, the art house film, the film that gets the limited release, if they do come through your town, it's worth, it's worth supporting on a lot of levels. You're supporting the independent theater, or the smaller chain like Alamo Drafthouse or somebody mm-hmm. like that, which is cool. And I'm not saying the big chains are evil and bad, but but whatever. I mean, seeing a movie in a theater is the best way to do it. There's there's no two ways about it, I think, and with most movies. So, yeah. Nice. So check it out. 
uh, if you can. I mean, the one good thing about on demand is sometimes you could catch them uh, on demand as they're in the movie theaters, but a lot of times you can't. So um, it's worth your while. Check out these movies in the theaters. Um, okay. Premiering this week, Expendables 3. <laughs> now it is probably my turn to pull a gram. I am very excited to see this movie. I love these movies. I am a big 80s action fan, and that's pretty much what they are, is like I'm a teenager again, watching all my favorite action stars doing the exact same thing that they've done for the last 20 to 30 years. So I am excited to see this one. I hope Chuck Norris will make another cameo. Good. Not sure if he will or not. Just keep... I just wish there were more people in it. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it came and went. Yeah, like the trailer has been on so many times. But the, in the trailer, the jump from the building to the helicopter, there's no, yeah. there's no gravity. Of course not. Is he right. Lucy? What is yeah. that? You want? But that's why you're almost <laughs> why, like, why didn't he jump through a car and yeah. fire and then? Why grab didn't he just the, throw the helicopter? Yeah. Why, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and the next movie is uh, Let's Be Cops. Um, this is the, uh, the the problem with a movie like this is uh, basically you've got one premise that's going to go through the entire film, so it has to be a pretty good premise, and I don't know if it'll be sustainable for. I mean, the entire these movie. guys are in um, funny guys. They're funny guys. Funny. They're in Zoe Deschanel's TV show, uh, and they're funny in it. So I don't know. I saw I saw one trailer for it, and I was like, wait a minute, this like the bad guys were like these guys aren't even listed as cops they must be a secret division and it's like i don't know maybe it could be one joke that runs flat or the stupidest bad guys ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. um and then the giver now this the giver. sounds interesting to me i'm gonna read the description it's okay it's in a seemingly perfect community without war pain suffering differences or choice a young boy is chosen to learn from an elderly man about the true pain and pleasure of the real world and it's with some young guys young this young couple and then jeff bridges and meryl streep now, I will say it has my favorite premise of a science fiction movie, mm-hmm. and that's a dystopian future disguised as a utopian one. Right. And uh, that's they got all the elements right there. Look, there's no war. There's no everything's great. Just, you know, we're going to tell you what job you're going to do for the, your entire life when you become of age. The director is Philip mm-hmm. Noyce, who did mm-hmm. Salt. Um, but oh, then, dear Lord. Which was, but, but then he did Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger in the 90s. So I don't know. I don't know. This well, is it's a very kid, famous book. The kid they send in, and from the trailer, it looks like if he does his job, he'll die. Is yeah, that, maybe. Wasn't I think this, that's was Ender's it? Game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just used the same trailer. Yeah, yeah. They just could swapped be. out yeah. Harrison yeah. Ford for Jeff Bridges. <laughs> they just, yeah. Computer uh, swap out. All right. Um, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. All uh, right. After I see Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think this is your step up all in. I think it might be, yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen the new step up yet, but I will, and I know it'll be great. Oh, it'll be great. Because it's it's the most amazing thing ever. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is definitely your experience. Neil and I already have tickets. So, So, uh, Jordan, let's uh, wrap up. Where can people find out about you and the film? I think it's, let's just make it simple. If you go to IamRoadComic.com, okay. for a limited time, you can own the movie. You can download it and watch it, own it forever for $5. That's a great deal. Oh, great. It is a great deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I wish the king of comedy, Louis C.K., would have set the bar at seven. Yeah. 
Well, we can set it back up there. It, not really. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> and, and I want to shout out to, you know, the comedians that gave me their time to, you know, in their thoughts mm-hmm. about the road. Like Mark Marin, mm-hmm. TJ Miller, I mentioned, Pete Holmes, mm-hmm. Doug Benson, Alonzo Bowden, mm-hmm. Jen Kirkman, Maria Bamford, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Nikki Glazer. There's uh, Wayne Fetterman sure. for going on the road. And for you guys for having me. To, Absolutely. To talk yeah, about yeah. It. And I, I think people will like it because the... It, 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 what I learned was maybe to be a comedian these days, you can express yourself through your YouTube channel, your podcast, and going on the road is necessary to hone material. There's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing like being in front of a real crowd, right? But I don't think that's the only way nowadays to define yourself as a comedian. Right. I couldn't agree yeah. more. I think that's the technology has made it so you can find an audience and develop your craft. Without, and wherever. Yeah, where, without, Is it a YouTube? Is it your podcast? Is without it having to go into one-nighter bars all mm-hmm. the time. If your fans are so interest, uh, inclined to go to uh, my podcast, it's called Respect the Process, mm-hmm. and it's about commercial filmmaking. Now, there's comedians on it. Chris Tinkle was just... Uh, oh, yeah. Was, I know Chris. Mm-hmm. I actually produced his album that oh, got right a on. great review He's yesterday. I'm really proud of him. He put it all together. I was mm-hmm. just... Uh, I'm a conduit conduit for fun and so i had him on talking about you know being a self-starter doing deciding i'm going to make my own album Mm -hmm. and you know in commercials we get hired and then you do the gig you go into the it's a transaction you're hired to perform something but whether it's your podcast or your short film respect the process implores people to get up do it yourself make it happen put it out there that's great Mm -hmm. so you don't go crazy Right. So you don't go, hey, you know, I have this idea. We were going to do it. We don't know anybody. You probably do know somebody. Mm-hmm. And right. you probably can find an audience, even if it's, you know, family, friends, and the guy down the street. I think that's awesome, you know, because obviously, you know, if anyone listening to the show who's a young, whatever, not young, or just a creative and an artistic person of any, you know, obviously listening to this stuff can help you. But I think even if you have a regular job, Listening to a like that your your podcast respect the process can can maybe motivate you to go oh I'm gonna I'm gonna do a fundraiser through my office or my kids school oh, wow. fund you know what I mean like it can just show you maybe the specifics of the process are different but that motivational like just fucking do it yeah yeah get, you know like we got to do a bake sale for my kids grade school just fucking do it and be yeah. creative on how you you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't know like that's that's the thing i i, I dig about stuff like that so well there that's a great point i mean the the making these documentaries the most fulfilling and rewarding thing is when i hear from somebody like somebody put on my charlene may if you're listening came up to me at flappers and said i was watching showtime and I had quit comedy, and I got divorced, and I saw your movie at 2 in the morning, and I said, I'm moving to L.A. and doing comedy again. <laughs> and that makes me feel, and she's still, she's a very popular comedian. That's awesome. Or another young comic girl, like, your movie made me do comedy. Mm-hmm. And so that feels good. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying takes it to a whole new level. It's outside of comedy. You know, th- there was an episode where I was just saying, look, people, pick a date and write it down on a calendar. Whatever, whether it's your bake sale or I'm going to get myself a raise or I'm going to ask the boss right. for this, pick a date and write it down. It sounds silly. Or put it in your computer. Or right. My kids, I say, put it on your phone. If right. it's in the calendar and it pops up and it's a week away, you go, shit, what have I done today 
to prepare to move that. towards mm-hmm. that goal. Am I going to be the guy that looks at it on my calendar and go, well, I didn't really do it? It's it's almost like self guilting yourself to be productive, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so whatever, that's, whatever works. That's yeah. what respect the process is about. Right on. Well, yeah. check it out, you guys. Um, I will be. Um, let's see. What am I doing this week? Uh, I will be at Acme Comedy Club um, with Doug Benson Thursday, uh, August fourteenth, and then um, I will be in Hong Kong. Uh, August 25th through the 30th and then just got shows set up in Beijing September 1 wow. through the 4th uh, and then Shanghai September 5 and 6 so they, they're confirmed you're doing those done just mm. sent in Beijing got, got the hotel got the, got the airline ticket I just gave my visa info to the Chinese consulate um, which is an easy process. Communist governments, very simple to deal with. Um, and uh, so that's all That's all being done, guys. So I will be, you know, posting more links of the specific locations. Um, I think it's uh, in Beijing. I think it's or Shanghai Kung Fu Comedy. Anyway, I'll be posting links to specific shows. If you guys are living in these cities, all come right. check it out. Is it expats mostly? Mostly, well, it's expats. Um, there's a lot of expats. There's also like, you know... Um, expats from australia the sure. uk uh and then you know a lot of just don't wander into north korea just <laughs> tom rhodes is in <laughs> i am wander Rhodes. into north korea <laughs> look at a map chris yeah. um, <laughs> um, uh, tom rhodes uh he still goes over there all the he's, time he's in i am road comic mm-hmm. he travels the world and just has everything in storage i mean yeah. he lives he and his lovely wife when they want to take six weeks off they pick a, it's almost like they throw a dart at the world mm-hmm. and decide where they want to live. Yeah. And they'll go live there. And then next year, they'll take time off and live in another country. It's, it's genius. It's awesome. I, I'm, I'm blessed I get to do this. So check that out, you guys. And then also be headlining the improv in Hollywood September 13th and the Zanies in Rosemont uh, September 17th through 20. And then the Los Angeles Podcast yeah, Festival. I'm really excited. That's 26 through uh, 28. We just released the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, it might get some minor little tweaks or changes. As some, if somebody's it's scheduled. 90% it's done. It's 90% done. The schedule's up. Uh, discount hotel rooms are going fast. Uh, weekend passes are only 100 bucks. So come on out and enjoy the funnest weekend of comedy podcasting you'll ever have in your life. Ever. Not an exaggeration. Not an exaggeration. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, that's our show. Thank you once again uh, to Jordan Brady. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. And if you're depressed, call someone.